0: Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rider Rumbling Video Podcast. I am, as always, here with my worthy constituent, Dr. Murray McCormick, and we're discussing, among other things, the Rough Riders' back-to-back losses to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, first in the Labor Day Classic and subsequently in the Banjo Bowl. Um, The Rough Riders' offense has has recently been, lately at least, been putting up uh, fewer points than the Toronto Blue Jays, who Murray is honouring in his uh, T-shirt today. Uh, I'd like to start off, though, by uh, expressing condolences to the family and friends and admirers of uh, a great man, a giant in the Canadian broadcasting industry, Bruce Cowie. Uh, Bruce died uh, September 7th in Kelowna, former Rough Rider president from 76 to 77, 76 to 78, longtime booster of the team. He spearheaded the uh, Defend Our Turf uh, program, which uh, raised $1.7 million and allowed for the uh, artificial turf to be uh, replaced at uh, dear old Taylor Field in 2000. This contributed to the community in so many ways i went to high school and elementary school with his daughter karen uh bruce was a friend of my parents and a friend of many people so i'd like to uh and bruce was inducted into the plaza of honor in 2000 so i'd like to start off by expressing the, the condolences there to the to bruce cowie uh, to, to the bruce cowie family pardon me so um that being said um riders versus bombers what do you make of uh, those two games you uh you I can't say you were fortunate to have seen the Banjo Bowl, but you were there. Uh, what do you make of uh, whatever that was on, on 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 Saturday? Saturday. These days Saturday. are planning together.
1: You know something? I think the Riders are going to have a little bit of company when it comes to getting thumped by the Blue Bombers this True year. True enough. I think the Riders, like the Bombers just did everything so well. The first half was close, kind of close. But the second half, they did so many things well. They do everything well. I think what they line up. I guess I know this is a Ryder Rumblings cast, but we got to look at the Bombers a bit. They have the MOP candidate in the quarterback. They probably, arguably, have the best defensive offensive line. Great receivers. They got a great defensive line. They got a middle linebacker who dropped back nearly 20 yards and intercepted Cody Fajardo with a diving catch. They have a sa- American safety, which gives them that advantage. They have they've done everything to build a great team. Now, we've both been around the CFL a long time to watch. Teams with great starts sometimes cool off, like the Calgary Stampeders have done numerous times. But the Blue Bombers are just so balanced that I don't know who's going to beat them again. And when I was watching the game in the banjo ball, I'm thinking, how did the Blue Bombers lose a game to Toronto? They're just, they're so balanced. So am I pushing the panic button over the Riders? How about we go to the concern button before we hit the panic button? I think there's a lot of things the Riders should have done better against them, but I think the Blue Bombers didn't expose the Riders as well for there. The this shows just the Riders aren't there. And I don't know if they're going to get there yet. We'll have to see what happens. But I, don't you think that way that the Bombers are just so good, Rob, that right now the other nine HCFL teams are playing catch-up?
0: Yeah, that's why I picked the Bombers for last. Another great yeah, good. Uh, prognostication yeah. on, on my uh, behalf. But uh, you really look, you look at that flaw, and it, it, that team is tough to find a flaw. And uh, – uh, coming into the season, you have to wonder whether Cody, or pardon me, uh, Zach Kalaros was a was a you know just an, an aberration, or it was an aberration the way Zach Kalaros played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 2019. But no, he's just carried through, and he's he's looking like the Zach Kalaros who in two, 2015 at this time of year was being touted as the most outstanding player candidate. Now, qualified by saying that no, not a single player in the Canadian Football League has been dazzling this year, and there's still a considerable portion of the season left in which uh, someone can make a case probably a better case than there is right now for Zach Kalaros. But if he keeps going the way he is uh, and that team keeps going the way it is, um, it would take an upset such as Winnipeg defeating Hamilton in the 2019 Grey cup for, uh, for, uh, the, uh, expected not to materialize. So yeah, give, give credit to the bombers. But I also think there's, as you mentioned, where there's a lot of things the riders can do better. They are seriously hampered though. Um, by injuries uh, and a lack of, I think a lack of playmaking ability on offense. And I'm not sure even if everybody's healthy, I still think that, that offense has some, some issues, but you subtract Shaq Evans from the equation and there really is no semblance of a vertical passing game. And that uh, that really uh, is, is, is a factor. You look at Kyron Moore, who's their most dangerous receiver. He's not even averaging nine yards a catch this year. His longest gain is 27 yards. This is someone who went off for 98 yards in, in 2019. So I think you could also make a case that they're not using their rep- weapons the way they should use them, and that they don't have an abundance of weapons to begin with, but those that w- which they do have aren't really being deployed. So um, seen that seen offense that, doesn't scare anybody. There's just not, right, a of, not a lot of sizzle there.
1: That's exactly. And I saw CJOB talking to Doug Brown, and Doug Brown I said, "There's not a receiver on that court. I just say, "Oh boy, you better watch this guy." because he's going to burn you down the field. Kyron Moore, maybe, but they're not utilizing him that way. So there's really, there's nobody on the offense that scares you. The defense is so banged up right now, you don't even know what to say about them. You know, you look at A.C. Leonard's out with that stupid suspension for not being able to provide a drug sample, but Mike, Mike Adams down now, Ed Ganey's down now, Lucius Purefoy's playing with something that's kind of called a floating rib, which I can only imagine with that, like, when you tackle someone. You look at you know, and so they have so many defensive issues right now. I don't know what they're
0: Johnson's do. been playing. Michael. You know, missed a game, and really was not effective last week, but nobody was, and uh, he's playing hurt probably.
1: They're also to be playing hurt. It just yeah. seems to be, and the big one is, and you and I have talked about. We, we mentioned, we came back when what happens if Cody Fajardo gets hurt, and you watch that play over and over again, his head slams against that turf hard. Yeah. Well, from my angle in the press box, I couldn't really see how hard it was. When you watch it over on TV, that was no glancing blow, and he grabs his head immediately. I know uh, Craig called it minor, but he's kind of maybe. Uh,
0: I'm not sure there's such thing as a minor concussion.
1: No, there's nothing now.
0: No, they're all real. They're like all Like a real minor real. gunshot wound. If you're if you're wounded, you're wounded. A concussion's
1: a concussion. But he looked great yesterday, Rob. Like, I don't know. I don't, what the benefit of having talked to Craig. Dickinson before practice, he looked like his usual self out there. And I really mean that. I did not see anything that indicated this was a guy that was limited in snaps or reps because of a a concussion. But then you watch a little closer and you see Isaac Harker's getting more reps. Like he doesn't get many reps. As I've explained many times before, there's 100 reps, the starter may get 70, the backup may get 10, and the other two guys get five between them. There's really no, it's all about getting ready for the game. So there's not a lot of time for Backups to get reps, and that's that's pretty normal across the CFL. So, Harker it's, One one little thing about Harker, Rob, and I know you kind of like him, he's pretty slight. Hey, eh? when you yeah. when, when I was talking, when we we're looking at Cody, I was watching the two of them and Captain going and, and turning to Paxton Lynch and even Mason Fine, he's he looks he's very slight as a quarterback. It'll be interesting to see what he does against the Argonauts if he does get that opportunity to play. There. I don't I, he can still play. I'm not saying it's because you're you don't have a belly like me, so you, can, you can't play, but it's just notice that he seems slighter than most quarterbacks seem to be in right now, which might be something to keep an eye on.
0: If I'm Craig Dickinson, I play the long game here. Uh, I love watching Cody Fajardo play. I love him as a player, as a person, he's top-notch. But when you're looking at a game here that's not against a divisional rival, would be played only six days after your quarterback was concussed, regardless of the degree to which he was concussed. I think you play the long game here. Isaac Harker has shown that he can win one out of the bullpen. He was a winning quarterback the last time the Rough Riders clinched first place in the West Division. That hasn't happened a lot in my lifetime. So, um or in anyone's lifetime. So, um I would I would exercise extreme caution here and and uh, and, and pretty much mothball Cody for a week. And if it costs you a game, it's not a four-point game. I think the the risks Exceed the rewards here. um Yeah, I mean it might. uh Cody Vizardo might be absolutely fine. He might go out and throw it for 350 yards and run for four. You know, run for 100. But uh I'm, I would I would give myself the luxury of time here and, and take another week.
1: Concussion is not like a sprain or something like a you can take a shot for it to, to kind of hide it. The, the, the symptoms show up afterwards too. Like that's what Craig mentioned yesterday. They want to see what he's like after practice to see how he reacts. Like he's, I've never had a concussion, so I'm not quite sure uh, what, what, what the symptoms are. I just know you don't feel very well, and there's headaches and blurred vision and all sorts of things that come out after you get active. And that's why they tell you to lay in a bed keep in the dark room to, when you're covering So I think it'll be interesting to see what Craig, Craig Dyson has to say going forward after having talked to Cody, who kind of, I don't know, pushed it, but was, took some reps yesterday, so we won't see what happened. On Wednesday, because Wednesday was a closed practice, and we'll have to trust their word. But I'm kind of with you on the long, the long plan. But can you imagine riding in if they lose three in a row and we're back to three and three? Does that? Well, three and three
0: isn't the end of the world. It we've you know it's not one and five. It's not zero and six. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's three and three, and a chance to make up, uh, make up ground once you play a pretty West-heavy schedule. The rest mm-hmm. of the way, it's not like they have two games against all the Eastern teams this year. They, you really get into a heavy concentration of West games after this, and you get into a heavy concentration of road games as well. And uh, I, I just would be exceedingly cautious here. Um, they may get away with it if they play them, but I just a short week I don't think is the time to uh, roll the dice with your quarterback, even if he he's able to recite you know recite the first uh, recite the first 600 lines of, of uh, Macbeth. Mm-hmm. On on on, Saturday, on Friday morning. I just I don't know. I just am not so comfortable important. with that timeline.
1: Also, I just want to mention one thing on the Boo Bombers. They do have a flaw. Their kicking game. Yes. So hold your breath when they break up, regardless of who's there. You go. Holy smokes! Is this guy going to make it? And he doesn't make it. So there is a flaw. Just remember to mention that kicking game. Mind you, the kicking game was wasn't particularly spectacular on the Riders' part either on Saturday. No. It was. You windy. Know, it was missed, windy.
0: Missed two field goals and.
1: It's interesting and how they the got wind...
0: a Thunders kicker made a 51-yarder to win a game in Saskatoon. Everybody bombers, take
1: them. note. That's made. I don't think the Bombers ever get him. The wind, it swirls at, at, at in the IG field, though. You can look at the flags. They seem to change directions. You can't... So that's what Craig had mentioned, too, that there might have been some different winds that the kickers just weren't used to. I don't know. I think if you can't kick in the wind in the CFL, boy. <laughs> we got a yeah. long career. I just think uh, it's tough. I, ask
0: Dave Ridgway. You know, I mean, um, Dave Ridgway, after his, his second stint with the Rough Riders after he was traded to Montreal, or traded to Edmonton, then sent to Montreal in 87, and then came back, Dave Ridgway uh, kicked in the windiest place in the world. And in uh, his second extended second stint with the Rough Riders, basically raised the bar for all kickers accuracy-wise. So, uh, And uh, Brett Lother endured those wins and made 90% of, this, of his kicks as a first-year rider in 2018. So it can be done. But there um, has to
1: be some, as Craig said, there has to be some reason why these kickers are weren't as accurate as they normally should be in a, a game. But you know, I don't think the kicking game was the reason the Riders lost so badly. No, I it's mean, just like uh, 17 points in two games. You go and you pointed out that the Blue Jays have scored, I don't know, hundreds. Well, there were
0: there were three straight games in which the Blue Jays hit double figures, and the Rough Riders have not hit double figures in their last two. So. um Again, maybe it's maybe it's not that surprising but you look at the offense and opportunities that do go to waste and you look at the the on the first drive Jake Hardy probably could have caught that pass now he's a bit behind him too that was but you catch time. that pass and then you're in you're in in scoring territory they are very rarely infringed upon the 20-yard line in in back-to-back games uh, they've gone more than two complete games without an offensive touchdown uh, more than three complete games without a touchdown pass etc uh, they did get the running game going last week and uh, so there's that to be said for it, um, but uh, it's is, is really worrisome.
1: They basically abandoned it in the second half, though. They didn't have much of a running game. because yeah,
0: It got away from them. But the bombers. Uh, There was one situation they got in, they got comfortably into Bombers' territory in the first half, and then they throw back-to-back incompletions when the running game's going well. Stick with it. Stick with uh, it. I just don't get it. Uh, what, you finally get the running game going. It's the one element of your offense that is working well and, and you' you're you're depleted up front you're depleted as far as your receiving core anyway stick with it I mean, don't get yourself in a second and ten situation put yourself in a second and five situation william paul is going to get you five or six yards every time
1: but how many times up? how many times you watch a football game where the running game very effective till they get down near the end zone and the OC starts throwing the ball every level they do it at you go why do you do it and then once i asked Stephen McAdoo about that and he didn't provide an answer you know i don't think they like to be questioned on their calls very much you know they they make them. So I always find it funny when they get down to the end zone, march, 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 handoff, 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 pass, pass, field goal. okay, commercial, I don't know why the CFL does that or even the other leagues do it. Just I want to go, and I know you touched upon it in your column. I had my first, one of my first holy smokes moment when I read the email from the CFL last week that AC Leonard had been (laughs) suspended for failure to, I keep calling it failure to launch, that's not probably what it is, but failure to provide a drug sample and I went, oh, like I've never never seen that in all of my years reading about football. Maybe it's happened, in a, but and I went, and it's A.C. Leonard. This is not exactly one of the guys you don't really need. He's a guy you want on the roster the whole time, rushing the passer and doing his things. And he's gone for two games suspended for failing to generate a sample. And from what I understand, he left annoyed with the with the testing because he couldn't do it. So. And then the thing about football, and I always talk one about... One question, stars. why is he
0: allowed to leave? Shouldn't there be somebody like standing beside him and saying, uh, here's well, a coach." Test,
1: <laughs> the, the tester stands there the whole time. Like, he's not the right team.
0: organization. Should, should have been made been sure he did not him.
1: leave. Yes, he and Where's the seer? Gene Mikulski used to tell me that football is the ultimate team game, and he would list each position's importance for each position. And when I read that, I went, here's a guy who put himself above the team in a situation where he shouldn't have. He should have just somehow... I don't know how you do it. I, don't, I you know, how, just keep drinking water, I guess. So you, till so you provide a sample. I don't, I don't think you need a lot. And I think he just got mad and he stomped away. And we, we won't find out what he has to say if he ever has to say because he doesn't have to talk to us again until Monday. Okay. And this is what bugs me.
0: Um, if Cody Fajardo has a bad game. He's got to answer for it right away. If Craig Dickinson makes some questionable calls, he's got to answer for it right away. And guess what? Craig Dickinson and Cody Pagiotta are both absolutely sensational when accountability is the issue and, and, and in accepting accountability. But then a situation happens where someone, one of the best pass rushers on the team, probably the best pass rusher on the team, a very important player, looking <laughs> into a very important game, is not playing because of this reason. I think you have to address it. I, I think you have to take take the initiative and uh, go out of queue if possible, if necessary, and address it and get it out of the way. It, guess what? It's still in the air now. And when A.C. Leonard returns to practice next week, when he presumably returns to practice next week, everybody, all, everybody in the media is going to ask for him, and he's going to have to answer those questions, and it's going to be a deferred distraction. Why not get it out of, the, out of the way immediately? And then a week from now with the divisional game coming up, you can just talk about football. Why, why not get that out of the way uh, and, and, and emulate
1: Messrs Dickinson? Uh, and Fajardo, and be accountable. I also think it greets me back to Andrew Harris' issue when he got testified. but he met, he he was in front of the media. He he came forward, like regardless of what you think he did right or wrong, he did stand up and answer questions. He, he didn't got it, never got out of the way because it turned out to be far bigger than we thought. But I thought that I thought with Andrew Harris, see, I think the writers, you don't have to, but they should have, they should have had him out there. Test positive. It th- should have been out there on Tuesday this week when the first day of practice, A.C. Leonard. But maybe you yeah, don't they
0: have, have to should talk. Have um, yeah, It should have been you know, his. I mean, but he, look at it, though. Andrew Harris, remember the Andrew Harris situation last year? And ball, Ryder fans had great uh, fun 19. with that situation, 2019. Sorry. Um, and uh, But guess what? Uh, Marcus Stigpen was suspended for two games. And now A.C. Leonard suspended for two games. So I don't think the Rider fans can take the uh, the high ground on this one. And uh, if you're looking at it, if I'm the Ottawa Redblacks, I'm still angry because uh, Marcus Big was suspended after running wild against the uh, the Ottawa Redblacks in the 2017 playoffs. So uh, I think that's a far more serious situation in terms of its impact upon a game than anything that that Andrew Harris is uh, is, is is alleged to have done according to the tests.
1: Or I remember the other
0: situation, but that that one I mean just people are
1: selective. Remember Odell Wilson is his, his, his impaired driving charge first day of training camp. Odell Willis stood up there and answered all our questions, and it became it became part of the season. But it just just went on like, yeah, to okay, answer the questions, get out of the way and move on. That's what the best way to do in communications. Or some get say, out yeah, in get front get of the story. Get in front of the story,
0: exactly. Render a no non-story. You know, make it a Friday news dump.
1: Get out of the way. Like, speaking of news, when do you think the CFL is going to come down on this banjo brawling? Because there's going to be fines. I don't think there'll be any more suspensions. There's going to be maximum fines. I think this league, watching Andrew Harris grab on to Christian Campbell's face mask and slam him to the ground and do everything possible to hurt that player and he gets an unnecessary roughness. I guess it's more important. I guess it's worse. And we're not letting the riders off the hook. A.J. Handy slapped the guy. They did, at what slapped they,
0: they did what they did. They did. did, what they did. disciplined. They deserve but, uh, to again, we're them. being selective here. Um, what about the Bombers? It I takes know. two to tango. It always, Or to banjo.
1: How many times have you seen that kind of thing happen? It's 1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. It's even. Two, two, yeah. it's, I'm, I still be honest with you, I was writing my my synopsis, and I wrote, Andrew Harris has been kicked out. And then I just look up in the middle of the or third quarter, and Andrew Harris is still in the game. Well, how did he not get kicked out? And it was right in front, like I didn't see it all because of Vanderbolt's has interesting sight lines. But when you watch on the highs, it just seemed like a no-brainer that he gets kicked out now. He gets suspended because I, I think I don't think he'll get suspended. I think he'll be fined, and it will quit another. Well, what proposal. good does that do? Now, well, yeah. he get fined half a game check. I think the max is half a game check, which seems to balance every year and year from CBA. So it's not a significant amount of money for him. But the, but the
0: ship has sailed. The Rough Riders lost a, a game uh, in which a player who uh, is very key to the outcome, very key to the opposition, was allowed to keep playing. So you can find him $58 million. It wouldn't do the Rough Riders any good.
1: No, it's not. You think so, they would have beat him if Andrew Hers was out of there? I don't know. The way that second half went, I think it was almost self-determined. Perhaps. perhaps.
0: But, I mean, it's another factor. And, uh, um you know, as soon as Cody Pajardo gets hurt, you just think this this just isn't their day completely. But um, that said, I mean, they were still in both those games as a depleted team, and maybe that's the frustrating thing because you see glimmers and you see that there's okay, despite the the composition of the roster, they 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 are able to at least accomplish some things, and they certainly had, especially this Saturday, had this past Saturday, had chances to score a lot more points than the nine they they uh, ended up. Putting up the the, another officiating gap was the uh, non pass interference near the bomber goal line when Ricardo Lewis was going up for the ball. I thought that the defensive back had his back to the quarterback and was facing the player and shoved him in the chest. It wasn't as flagrant a pass interference as Ed Ed Gainey the previous week, but it was still pretty clearly pass interference. And that would have been that would have put the Rough Riders inside the five yard line. And how would that have changed things? so, that's that to me, that's pass interference.
1: Craig challenged it, too, and still couldn't get it. Yeah. So that's so totally what's going tough. on
0: with the command center?
1: Sometimes the command center but, would normally, I don't know if the command center would send it out or someone, they would tweet an explanation of why this call happened. In that case, it was warranted. It was also warranted in the case of the brawl. You know, they could have said, Andrew Harris was not ejected because this is not deemed to be, un- it's not an ejectable offense, it's more unnecessary roughness under some CFL rule. And then it doesn't cool down, Rider Nation, but at least you have an explanation right there. And, and Twitter's immediate. It's right away. Why Why wait and just have people trying to figure things out? Why not do it right away? So I'm right. not sure what the command says They've done it in the past, but, you know, I realize maybe the CFL is a little shorter staff than have someone sitting there. It comes down to accountability,
0: case. though. I mean, again, I go back to Craig Dickinson. I go back to Cody Fajardo. And not long ago, Cody Fajardo uh, admirably yet excessively blamed himself for the outcome of a Rough Rider loss. But um, Cody Pajar is accountable. Craig Dickinson is accountable. The officials aren't accountable. Why aren't the officials, uh, why isn't an official accessible after the game? Why can't at least an official talk to a pool reporter and get their interpretation of a play that is pretty crucial to the outcome, or at least at the time, seem to be pretty important? Why is there no official explanation right off the top at the outset of why Andrew Harris remains in the game, why there isn't a pass interference penalty, etc. Why is the accountability—this is my word of the day—so selective? Uh, why why do the officials get a free pass? Well, and, and, you... and, 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 and players make a lot more mistakes during games than officials, and coaches probably do too. So that I'm not I'm not absolving the players and the coaches for their role in the outcome. But if a player makes a mistake, they have to answer for it. If a coach makes a mistake, they have to answer for it. At least they should. An official. Nope. you can't even criticize them, or you're going to get fined. So, I mean, it's, it's 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 such a double standard, and it's just absolutely ludicrous.
1: I think in baseball, the umpires explain their calls, don't they? Do they did a little bit? Yeah, of that they've idea.
0: got that system that involves a pool reporter, but yeah, there's I nothing don't how you, like that.
1: Yeah, in football, it's nothing like that in the NFL either. So, it is kind of strange. So, what do you think about this weekend? We have a couple of things on the lines with the Riders this weekend. It's the uh, introduction of a uh, proof of vaccine or proof of a negative COVID test. We'll have to see how many people are standing in line and see how the riders do that. I, I tweeted in Winnipeg. It was easy. I showed them my, I, we don't have the QR, QR code in Regina, in Saskatchewan yet, but I had the, I showed them my little vaccination card and they looked at it and I showed them my ID for my driver's license and I was in and I, I went to a number of places in Winnipeg and you, most of them you got to wear a mask, there's not too many places you can go in without a mask. And you have to show them ID. Every restaurant, you have to show them you've been vaccinated to go in with Imagine the accompanying.
0: Common sense.
1: Yeah. And, you know, some no one appeared to be put out by it. No one said, oh, geez, I can't believe it. I made the same joke about 10 times and in Saskatchewan, they just trust us. To which and how's servers, that
0: working out so far?
1: Yeah, exactly. And the servers all kind of looked at me. I thought they might step back, finding out I was from Saskatchewan, knowing I'd be probably infected with COVID. So... I was really I was impressed. And the whole the whole banjo bowl experience was the same as usual except there weren't the rider fans. And I think we noticed that at the at the Labor Day Classic. There weren't these huge pockets of rider fans that you get at a banjo bowl. Like even outside they used they have a uh, a rider sort of tailgate set up a little bit they've had in the past. I I think I'm sorry I can't remember I think they had it in two thousand eight. That wasn't set up this time. It was just kind of like more blue bomber oriented, not rider oriented, which may be Another maybe another COVID-related thing, but the parking lot was the most tailgaters I've ever seen at any game in the CFL, even Calgary. And Calgary has a huge, huge group of tailgaters, so they kind of got away with that. I don't know how they get away with it. Well, they're all vaccinated, so they can all have fun together. So yeah, I mean, although there's no
0: way of there's no way of hermetically sealing the uh, environment outside the stadium. We're presuming that all those people went in, but there, yeah. that's not uh, that's not necessary. There may have been some tailgaters who. uh we're oozing COVID from every pore, but they just opted not to go to the game.
1: Yeah, just yeah, maybe. Hopefully, I don't. I don't think I was around. it. I knew I. I wore my mask everywhere, and now, and now because of the city of Regina rules, we have to wear masks in the press box all the time too. Which I don't mind. I just I just had to go and find one that didn't hurt my ears. I can only imagine what healthcare people are going through wearing them all the time. It's like and like
0: heavy PPE and doing it for 12 and 14 hour shifts. I could. I just can't. The doctors and nurses are just being overrun right now.
1: Yeah. Like, well, but we have, we're not any further than we were this time last well, look The at these numbers. getting to watch football. But numbers, numbers, it's, 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 yeah, it's, but what's it's the terrifying. common factor in these numbers, Rob? The common factor is it's not vaccinated people. But
0: vaccinated people are still getting it. They're in yeah. the minority, obviously, the clear minority.
1: But, Jones. Uh, Scott, and he's but
0: uh, uh, it is worrisome when you can to take every precaution and still be susceptible to it. But um, let me the, the numbers of unvaccinated pli- uh, uh, people who are now uh, going to hospitals and, and, and needing treatment, this is preventable. And the, the symptoms, symptoms can be mitigated. Just get a vaccine. It's, you're, it's not asking a lot. I mean, it's, I don't believe, and I had an encounter last week in the park, um, which maybe made me ultra sensitive, sensitive to this issue, but I was taking my dog for a walk uh, in Wascan. I got accosted by a, by uh, an an anti-vaxxer who's just obnoxious. And, uh, I mean, that's what our society's coming towards. Is this going to happen outside the the stadium on Friday night? I know there's been talk about protests. Are we going to have to deal with this this crowd even getting into a a football game? Or is the average citizen going to have to be dealing with it? There's talk about protests at hospitals. There's been um, the memorial removed outside the the legislative building. Just awful things are happening. And it's only going to get worse as the numbers escalate and tempers flare. And there are more restrictions that inevitably take place. And and yet we're carrying on going to sporting events, like nothing has ever happened. And, and I sure hope that continues, but there's times that I, I wonder it's, it just seems incongruous to me that in an environment now where we're getting 400 or 500 cases a day, we're just going to football games and, and sitting for yeah. hockey games or whatever, and just sitting next to, to people and carrying on like we, we used to. And, uh, I hope it continues. I hope we haven't had a super spreader event that's been a Rough Rider game or a you know, even a past exhibition game or SHL SGHL game or anything like that. But boy, I just wonder I wonder what happens if, if one sporting event turns out to be an incubator. Uh and the I think we're a, a large gonna, number of, are we are we just starting from square one again?
1: I think we're gonna keep just going on. I I really think people are gonna to have to get used to life with COVID. And unfortunately yeah. there's gonna be cases. People are gonna be dead and people are gonna die. And you know some It's the way life is. And is it right or wrong? No, it's just the way we're going to have to live. You get your vaccine. You do all you can to stay healthy. You wear your mask. You wash your hands. You do some social distancing even then. But I think it's just the way of life now. This is our way of life. And then I'm not all in favor of, of draconian measures like lockdowns and stuff. I just think people just got to move ahead and life goes on. I'm sorry, Rob. I, but get vaccinated. Get vaccinated.
0: And I'm not a lockdown advocate either. I'm a common sense advocate. Uh, a vaccine passport doesn't equal a lockdown. It just makes sense. Wearing yes. a mask doesn't equal a lockdown. It just makes sense. It's easy to do. Um, this, this, this—I mean, a lot of people are suspicious of the COVID vaccine. I was—I received my second inoculation in early July, and uh, and it was so harmful. This, 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 this toxic vaccine that people are talking about—it was so harmful that the day after getting this shot i was only able to ride my bike 112 kilometers so yeah it's really dangerous folks <laughs> and i'm 57 years old i got a diabetes and uh i have an underlying condition uh and i was able to ride my bike 112 kilometers that day i'm not saying yay for me i'm saying yay for the vaccine it's not at all dangerous listen to the experts and uh, listen to your doctor you would trust your family doctor the if he, at least in most cases, if if he or she told you that uh, you know do this to guard against this, this to guard against this, this to guard against this, but suddenly there's a an element of distrust in some in some circles, as misguided as they are when it comes to vaccines. Uh, I realize we're meandering and, and straying from the yeah. point of this of this podcast, but it just comes back to it, it is all within within the realm of sport. The way uh, there's now an intertwinement. Because you can't talk about going to a Rider game, especially with the way the vaccine situation is leading up to Friday, without talking about vaccinations and how impactful it could be. Yeah. And no, how funny. impactful I, COVID has been and could be. And
1: uh, eek. Just one of the things, I got a flu vaccine for the first time in my life this year. I've got two COVID vaccines. And I haven't had a cold or a sniffle since, I I've, I've look back since March 8, 2020, we came back from Mexico. And I haven't had any of those symptoms. Anything? That's a long time to go without a cold. Usually, I get one little. So, maybe a vac. Maybe this does something, or maybe it's just social distancing and not being near anybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm going maybe. on
0: 23 months. I had the worst case of bronchitis in my life, leading up to the West Final in, in 2019.
1: I remember that. That was that was awful. Sound. And oh. uh, <laughs> and
0: uh, so I mean. I wouldn't bet against the Riders getting to the West final again. How's that for a smooth segue back into football, despite what happened to. this past weekend? I mean, they're 3-2, Edmonton's 3-2. and two. The West looks like it's going to be pretty even after you deal with it, after talking about the after factoring or after the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Quiz. And if Zach Kalaros gets hurt, everything changes in Winnipeg. First but,
1: place in the uh, West might be a pipe
0: dream, Rob. I, oh, I, I think you can forget that. Unless let's Zach Kolaros gets hurt. If, if Zach Kolaros right. gets hurt next week, the Bombers can go from 5-1 to 5-7 in an awful hurry.
1: Well, the way Sean McGuire handles uh, quarterback sneaks, they could just quarterback sneak him all the way up the field. You know, <laughs> second and nine, <laughs> third, eight punt. <laughs> they
0: uh, That could right. change everything. And it's no different yeah. than well, you know but he, uh, than virtually any team in the league. Even Hamilton. People thought Hamilton is, is really well-protected here, because they've got Jeremiah Mazzoli and Dane Evans. So, yeah, yeah if A against Earth, they wrong. go to B, and now you're talking about David Watford. So yeah. That's how quickly things can change. Remember the season opener in 2019 in Hamilton, the Riders ended up using three quarterbacks that day, as they did the second game of the 2008 season, Marcus Crandall, Stephen Giles, and somebody named Darian Durant. So, it can change that quickly. Uh, we may see Paxton Lynch before too long, the way quarterback, the quarterbacking situation can be in flux. And, also remember
1: with Zach I hate to take him in 2015 he was off to an incredible start too and I think it was a knee injury was it a knee yeah. injury I think yeah, it was Yes yeah, Edmonton and then he was gone
0: yeah you know, so that's, that's how quickly it can change yeah. and one play we saw that last week uh I mean, Cody Paggiano gets hurt
1: yeah.
0: and uh I mean it was the first time that he's he's been hurt in a game where it's been where he's been forced to miss time last year he got or two thirty two years ago he hurt got hurt in practice Yep. So, no, I should lie. I'm like uh, the 2019 opener in, in Hamilton. He also went through concussion protocol that day. And that was the, uh, the introduction of Isaac Harker. But it's the first time Cody Pajardo has been hurt as a starter in a game where he's had to miss time.
1: I don't think we have to blame. I don't think there's blame on the offensive line for what Willie Jefferson did on that play. It was just a great, a great play by a great That's player. That's
0: what Willie Jefferson does.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, right. You can only do so much against him. That's the kind of, kind of pressure that the Bombers apply Um, but I think what the Riders were able to get away with with that offensive line in the first three games of the season, you can't get away with against Winnipeg. And uh, and Winnipeg's secondary is so good that, okay, yeah, you can pick away with these little four- and five-yard passes against the other teams, but suddenly you do that against the Bombers, and you're facing a much better secondary and linebackers who can defend. And suddenly, as Hank Stram would say, matriculating your way down the field isn't quite as easy. (laughs) And so... uh, it's one thing to do that against other teams. And that'll be interesting this coming Friday because we don't really yet, yet know who's going to be the Argos defensive coordinator. It's likely going to be Rich Stubler. We don't know what the Chris Jones thing is going to <laughs> amount to. But if it's Rich Stubler, that's the classic bend, but don't break defense. So you would have to pick your way down the field. But you probably are going to get that opportunity. The the, the Rich Stubler defense doesn't isn't as pressure-oriented as, say, a a Chris Jones defense would be. Although Chris Jones can rush eight guys on one play and send two the next or three. Yeah. So uh, it wouldn't be as pretty. The Chris Jones defense, and there probably isn't even time, sufficient time to install a lot of the elements of it, would uh, would certainly create more confusion than a, than a Rich Stubler defense. You know what you're getting with Rich Stubler. Never you know, say Rich never. Screen, in this- screen hook, slant, you know screen pass, run play. That's what you have to do because you're not going to go over the top against a Rich Stubler defense.
1: Never say never in the CFL, but I kind of never thought Chris Jones would be back up there <laughs> so soon. Like yes. just imagine what it did to those poor kids down there in that high school. Their coach, their high school coaches are pretty impactful at least in, an, in any level. And he leaves to go take a job, the best job and opportunity he couldn't turn down. Was only played one game due to COVID. Proper, COVID and COVID, COVID, COVID. Does this surprise you? I mean, look how quickly I know, he left Calgary
0: Stampeders for the, for the Toronto Argonauts, to the yeah. extent that the Argonauts were disciplined for tampering. He wins a Grey Cup with the Edmonton and Eskimos, and boom, he's in Saskatchewan right after that. He signs a, a, a contract extension with the Rough Riders, and a week after that's announced, he's off to Cleveland. So when there's enough... Um, well, oh, maybe this is maybe this is a bad bad uh, choice of words considering what happened last week. But when you consider this, the considerable sample size, much much larger sample size than was available after the Labor Day Classic in one case, um, of Chris Jones's uh, resume, that's what that's what happens. Yeah. If you if you hire Chris Jones, you'd better be prepared to uh, to yeah. you know, have to pivot at some point. And the Rough Riders were able to pivot seamlessly, as it yeah. turned out with Craig Dickinson, Jeremy O'Day, and it was Jeremy O'Day who signed Cody Fajardo and addressed the one issue that uh, it seemed that Chris Jones couldn't address in Saskatchewan, that was quarterbacking, despite saying he was going to look, you know, look under He's every stone, yeah. you know, hello there, uh, hello there, Vince Young. Although we may have found, you know, we'll always wonder how, and this is, I think it's pertinent to ask this now, how would Zach claros have fared in Saskatchewan had the system been conducive to success? And I wrote about this earlier in the week. Was, I mean, and Zach took a lot of heat. He took it from me. He took it from you. He took it from a lot of people. But when you look at back on it with the benefit of hindsight and, and perhaps the acquisition of more perspective than was apparent at the time, did Zach Kalaros even have a chance in Saskatchewan, a solid chance given all the factors that were working against him? I enumerated them in my column earlier this week, but or last week, pardon me. But uh, I'm not sure that the, that system just wasn't built built to fail and Zach Kalaros bore the brunt of it.
1: But did Cody Fajardo step into that system and have pretty good success, though, Rob? He did,
0: but guess what? They had they had playmakers for Cody Fajardo. They did, yeah. Co- yeah. You know, they 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 quickly showed faith in Cody Fajardo by saying, "You're our guy." To the extent that that uh, he was uh, that there was a trade and Zach Claro's was chipped to the Toronto Argonauts and subsequently to Winnipeg, but they had the fake quarterback competition.
1: Oh, I know. I still getting up the
0: 28 seats. The Riders trade for Zach Claro's. Pay him more than four hundred thousand dollars, and then just say, "Well, the quarterback position is is, is going to be subject to competition between Zach Kalaros and Brandon Bridge." So that's you know it's comical, but that's what that's the charade that they tried to sell us. So inevitably, Zach Kalaros is a starter, and then two games into the uh, 20, 2018 season, their most Jane uh, A. They by then Bakari Grant is gone, so they've lost one of their three one thousand yard receivers from twenty seventeen, and then they move uh, Drawn Carter over to defense. <laughs> yeah. And so suddenly the most dangerous player on offense, someone who's named the Rough Riders' most outstanding player in 2017, is no longer part of the equation. And you're, you're starting to work in Shaq Evans, and you're starting to work in later in the season, Kyron Moore. Those turned out to be great moves, and, and, and Jones and John Murphy are be to, to be commended for finding them. But that didn't do Zach Claros any good in the short term. No. And so suddenly you're looking at a depleted receiving core. Then for an August game at Edmonton, they moved deron carter back to receiver actually put him at slot back runs past Aaron grimes which not a lot of people do catch a 41 yard touchdown pass you're thinking yeah the riders lost in to but zach claros threw for 261 yards and they've got a semblance of a vertical passing game and then they cut deron carter and don't explain it yeah, don't and agree. uh and uh and they didn't chris jones was masterful in how he worked with deron carter in 2017 but he stopped having those meetings with him and wasn't getting the best out of him in 2018 so this is a really long, meandering way of saying I don't think Zach Claro's really got a fair chance here.
1: Yeah, it was funny. I uh, you know we dealt with Zach and in a lot. The, the play calling was ridiculous. Yeah, also the personality was so different from the one we I see with Winnipeg. than he was just the right. actually Zach's shown a sense of humor with Winnipeg. The other day, goes after McGuire scored his third one yard rushing touchdown. Zach says, Why didn't people throw their hats on the field? Isn't this Canada? <laughs> Isn't this hockey? As recognition of a hat trick, I went, Yeah. Oh. I never saw that it was like, not that that makes any difference to playing, but that's in Saskatchewan. Your quarterback's got to sell your franchise. He's the face, regardless of any quarterback whoever comes here. They have to be the face of the franchise. And if you're not going to accept that role, then you don't come to Saskatchewan. And don't accept fact, the paycheck. And don't accept that's the part paycheck. of it. Because Cody Fajardo has embraced that role, and I think people really haven't had a chance to see what he can really be like. In this, I thought in this, because of COVID, because there's just no. There's no interaction with people. And I think that's... I think people would have been able to see... Cody would have owned this. He, he owns this... He could have owned this brand and this market outright without any problems. Well, he does in our minds. And he ultimately think... will. And if Isaac
0: Harker were to become that guy, he would too. Isaac Harker is as tremendous a person as has ever played for this franchise. So, they, you know... And, and Zach Caleros, I think, is a, is a very good person as well. We just... He was just a good person in a bad situation. And, I, and in, his, in his situation... I probably would have been as sour as he was too. And you know, I, once he gets here, the, the, the incessant questions and they're valid, but he was asked all the time about his concussion history, and he got sick of talking about it. But it seemed that every, every interview he did, or most of them, people were introducing these negative factors into the inter, into the into the yeah. sessions, and I think it just poisoned everything right off the bat. And then
1: it just what it was just wasn't a good mix. What was their record in
0: '18? Do you remember? They were 12 and six. And Zach I mean, Calaros was 10 and four as a starter. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. That's heavy though.
1: Yeah, I know a I know that's the picture way Zach of looking Carlson
0: at. It. Nine touchdown passes and 13 picks. That's but, true. But again, what did he have to work with? He had a first-year Shaq Evans and a first-year Kyron Moore, and a and a Naaman Roosevelt who had suddenly not become a deep threat. No more Bakari Grant and deron Carter, no longer yeah. part of the equation. So, I don't know what realistically people could have expected other than what happens. Yet, a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, I, I kept calling him the $410,000 quarterback.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but I remember Tom Clements in 2009, pardon me, 20, 1979 when he came here, and Tom Clements didn't have anybody around him, and he, he looked more like uh, Tom Roseans or Tom Mickey than he did Tom <laughs> Clements. He threw two, two touchdowns and 11 interceptions in seven games with the with the Rough Riders in 79 before he was traded to Hamilton, and guess what? He suddenly looked like Tom Clements again, as he did... In Winnipeg, as he'd done before in Ottawa, but there's only so much you can do if you don't have Tony Gabriel and you don't have Art Green, you, you you don't have these these weapons that uh, that are gonna, you don't have Jim Cood and, and that kind of offensive line in front of you. You don't have the the things that that Tom Clements benefited from in Ottawa and subsequently in Saskatchewan, and and Cody uh, Zach Claros was really hampered by what was around him. And I really wonder, in hindsight, would that opportunity have been there if, if, if not for that fateful third play in Hamilton? Because uh-huh. Cody Fajardo would have had, I think, a head coach in in, in Craig Dickinson was more encouraging. Um, Shaq Evans, we saw what a player he was in 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 2019, as we did with Kyron Moore, etc. So was you know could could Cody Fajardo? I mean, could Zach Claro's have ultimately have maybe not replicated, but at least had the type of year that would have led people to applaud the quarterbacking, as was the case when people stood to applaud Cody Fajardo after he took over. Because Stephen McAdoo certainly seemed a lot more amenable to throwing the ball over the top uh, in 2019 with with uh, Cody Fajardo than he did in 2018 with Zach Caleros. But uh, Zach Caleros has got a he can fire the ball deep, I think, as well as anybody in the in the CFL.
1: Speaking, of, speaking of former riders, there's a few of them coming to town this weekend. Oh yes, <laughs> on the Argos, uh, Cameron Judge and. uh, I think I'm not one hundred percent sure. Charleston Hughes is going to be a game time decision. I think. Yeah, I remember he said he had the the calendar, the the date circle on the calendar that he was going to pull off the Riders. I think that's just he was talking about the frustrations of the deal not working out and stuff. So he'll be here. Dear use Bladick will be here. I don't think Philip Blake is healthy yet. I think he got hurt the last. It's, it's, when you see those triple be, headers, this, this with,
0: is a huge Judge Bowl. The
1: Hughes, yeah. I mean, and that's I feel, what
0: people are going to be, especially Charleston Hughes.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but, and neither of them's had a great year in Toronto. Cameron Judge oh, has five tackles in nine games, and no, you know, no picks, no fumble recoveries, no, no sacks. Charleston Hughes, who's had the CFL in sacks the last four years, has not registered a sack yet this year, and he's been battling a hamstring injury. And uh, I think
1: it's a knee. A knee, I think. Toronto a media
0: knee. is reporting hamstring. The CFL of injury list is reporting knee. So <laughs> okay. it's like the Jordan Williams-Lambert thing. Is it a non-football-related injury? Oh, or I
1: know. So we, we we gave kudos for the CFL for the injury report being transparent. And now we're looking at going, I don't know if it's all this non-football-related injury. Like Jacob Dearborn has been a non-football-related injury for two weeks. That's going to be long. the
0: CFL's uh, substitute for upper and lower body injury. Yeah, No. So, let's related. say you hurt your wrist playing football and you stub your toe playing ping pong they just defer to the stub toe and say non-football related injury? Technically, they're not lying. You do have a stub mm-hmm. toe. I can see all sorts of gymnastics and, and contortions. I guess we can gymnastics. say at least that it's recording. a Canadian football league. So, I mean, Craig, Craig Dickinson is not going to be one of the coaches who's going to widely circumvent that or play games. But we know that there are others around the league
1: that will. Well, well coming back, the king of the playing games with the practice rosters, I hate to say it, Chris Jones, there's no one better at it. Yeah. He really knew how to manipulate the practice of and so did uh Eric Tillman. You had a pretty good job. Is the Chris
0: Jones this. thing for Toronto official yet? We're recording this on a Monday shortly before or pardon me, a Wednesday shortly before
1: noon. Nothing's uh, official. Nothing's I nothing's official yet? Yet? Well I haven't seen anything official, but his quote sure sounded like he was doing something. Yeah, well you don't
0: you don't leave in the middle of the middle of the season without having something locked down.
1: Yeah. So I in the in the Stubler thing I was I was just kinda of thinking if I was well, Glenn Young and the and Josh Bell are both out on leave. you have they, you can't they don't. there's no reason why but it's all basic because MLS he says you can't if you're not vaccinated, you can't work for them unless you're in a, a union. So obviously you can connect the ties you can make the ties connect, but we don't know for sure. If even if I was Ryan Dinwiddie or I how comfortable would you feel knowing I mean, Chris Jones was there considering his background, does it take away some of the does, is it a distraction? If I'm, Tim, if I'm
0: Ryan Dinwiddie, I want Chris Jones on my coaching staff. Say what you want about the man. He's good at what he does. Oh, he's a pretty he good at what he does for a decade, anywhere. Well, he was with Montreal for a while, but uh, um, if you need, a, if you need a, uh, a quick fix to your defense, if you need somebody who's as great, great a defensive mind as there it has been in the history of the Canadian Football League, you bring in Chris Jones. And it's a year-to-year proposition in the Canadian Football League anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I think Ryan Dinwiddie's looking to help his team. And he's done that. This is an Argo team that's been first in the, first in the East, but they've allowed more points than they've scored. Um, we'll see if that holds true uh, on Friday night.
1: Well, I'm kind of looking forward to Friday night in a sense. You know, more football, Friday night football under the lights. Weird time, 7.45, but I think it's a double header. Make it
0: 8 so that you can when make I, sure the games don't overlap. You're going to make yeah, it 7.45, make it 8.
1: Yeah, just do that right away. And then... Because there's only two games and what's TSN got on after this? You're going to have Sports Centre. Well, SportsCenter Centre can start 15 minutes late, can it? No. No, not at all
0: because it's SC with Jay Onright and oh. on Tuesday night Jay Onright gave a plug to my beautiful dog Candy on the air. And on Twitter Jay also noted that uh, Candy is now the mascot of SC uh, with uh Jay Onright. And this is Candy right here her weekly cameo. She's sleeping through a podcast, Murr. Doesn't she always sleep through the podcast? She sleep. She would sleep through a hurricane. But uh,
1: well, anyway. congratulations on that. I'm sure it's an accomplishment that gives Candy on, pause for thought. And <laughs> it's going to be a tale she'll tell many way down the road. And so on, be on start your own SC dog pound.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, she's a. You know, she, Candy's a big sports fan. I mean, she likes. Uh, she's a fan of Jim Barker. Uh, remember yeah. Basil Bark, who used to play for the Calgary Stamp Peters. Lindy Ruff, uh, NHL head coach. There's so many. Uh, Well, this has gone to the dogs. I'm going to read the outro. Marie, unless you have anything uh, really enlightening to say, and anything is more enlightening than me talking about my dog, I'll read our little thing at the end, and and we will send everyone on their merry way. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. My allocution today is just wonderful. Now I've jinxed it. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I get my podcasts on Apple. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob Vanstone at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. We have not yet received a question this year. We welcome all questions. You can follow me, Rob, on Twitter at at Rob Vanstone, uh, or uh, Murray at at Murray LP. And if you go on that Twitter account, you will find a clip of Jay Onright saluting candy on, the, uh, on Tuesday night. So there, That's awesome. what a lovely segue that was.
1: Yeah, there's truly a moment I'm going to look Mike, forward to seeing. And now Candy's right. left. We'll, and we'll be back next week? With that, we will. For Murray McCormick,
0: I'm Rob Vanstone on behalf of Candy and Jay Onright. And we'll do this again uh, next week if you'll have us. Take care and have a great day and stay safe. Go Blue Jays.